Hello, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to connect with us on all our social media outlets. Now, let's go to the message. By faith, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed. Somebody say, he obeyed. And he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm not going to be here forever. He lived in tents. The Bible says as a sojourner or as an alien, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with them of the same promise. For that wasn't their home. They were looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I love San Antonio. I know I love San Antonio because it's 105 degrees and I still love it. Praise God. It's the summer that won't end we're living in right now. But I'm here to tell you, as much as I love San Antonio, San Antonio is not my home. San Antonio is not my goal. Heaven is my goal. And there's a world of faith that we can live in here on our way to there. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I want more faith. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Since it has been a couple weeks, let's catch everyone up. Hebrews 11 mentions Abraham in the account that we've just read. They mention his faith. They mention his obedience, his trust. But they don't mention Abraham's moments of doubt and fear. The time where faith failed him, or let me just back, back it up. Faith doesn't fail us, we fail faith. So the moment his faith, that he failed faith, when he was scared, when he deceived, when he was impatient, can I just preach to the impatient people for 15 seconds? If God promised you what he promised you, I want to I encourage you, take your hands off the steering wheel, don't put a time limit on God and let God do what he does best on his time. Abraham did not start out as a stalwart or a giant of faith, but he does complete his life that way because here in our original text, we're reading the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. But he spent his life building a platform and a foundation not only for his life, but for every believer that would come after him, which was almost everybody on the face of the earth. If I can encourage believers in this room today, your faith is not just for you, but it is for those that follow you. If you are married, your faith is building a foundation for your marriage and your spouse to stand on. If you have kids, your faith is building a foundation for your children to stand on one day and claim the Jesus that you claim and serve the God that you serve. And so it's not just about us. It's about a transgenerational faith, a faith that, that lives beyond us, that when we go to the grave, those behind us that were connected to us will talk about the faith that we built and the foundation of faith that we gave them. Faith should move us from faith to faith, victory to victory, bigger and better. We start out on our faith journey or faith process, and then we look at that process every day, and we're either becoming more faithful or more faithless. Jesus said a lot of things, but when Jesus was asked about faith, he told his disciples, have faith in God. 
four words that seem so simple yet will transform a believer's life. When you're going through trouble, have faith in God. When it doesn't make sense to your flesh, have faith in God. When people tell you to quit and stop, have faith in God. When the doctor looks over his desk and gives you a bad report, have faith in God. When the political system is in pure upheaval, have faith in God. Faith is something you need all day, every day. I use my faith for coughs. I use my faith for cancers. I use my faith to believe for the finances of this church, but I also use faith this morning because in the two weeks that I've been gone, diesel has gone from 315 to 375. I used faith this morning. I spoke to the pump, praise God. You can speak to the mountain. You can speak to the pump. Use your faith liberally and at all times. Jesus said, have faith in God. When Paul was speaking to the Romans, he said, all of us are born with a measure of faith, which means this church, if you are going to be a child of God, a believer in Jesus, and a follower and disciple of Jesus, you have no excuse because if you have faith, you have enough to believe God for his promise established and manifested in your life. Then the disciples told Jesus, increase our faith. An increasing of our faith is a prayer that we should pray all the time. The disciples, in a moment where things weren't going right and things weren't happening, their prayer to Jesus, their convo was, increase our faith. Can you imagine where you would be in the next year, August 2nd, 2024, if every time you bowed down to pray before you asked for anything, you said, God, increase my faith, fortify my faith, make my faith greater today than it was yesterday. But just asking is not going to increase faith. Just like any fire, it must be fueled, and your faith is fueled by the word of God. Then we talk faith produces obedience. If you say you have faith, but you won't make a move, you don't have faith. You just say you have faith because every faithful man or woman in the word of God always proved it by their works and what they did. Obedience will always follow. An action, a movement will always follow a word of faith. And we, laughed, we left last session talking Genesis chapter 12, which is where we'll stay for the rest of tonight. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to the land that I will show you. The very first word that God speaks to Abram here is go. God's first command is to make a move. And to make a move, church, that requires faith. I want to encourage you tonight to make a move this week. And that might mean by making a move tonight when we open up these altars. But I'm not like the TV evangelist. I'm not going to tell you that your move should be to bring a $50 check and lay it on the altar. I'm going to tell you that your move is a lot bigger than money, praise God. That your move and what God requires you uh, from you is a lot more than what you do in this place on a Wednesday night. God is going to require you to make a move and to step out in faith when you're the only one that has faith on your job, in your family, or on the street corner. He says, go, make a move. How do we build faith, church? By using faith. 
Faith does not pay dividends. Faith is not a savings account for a rainy day. Faith does not grow sitting on the shelf. The only way that faith multiplies, the only way the faith grows stronger and gets bigger is to be utilized. If every time you use faith, it gets bigger, then why do we only use faith on Sunday mornings and Wednesday night? If every time you move a mountain, your faith gets bigger, then why do we wait for cancer or foreclosures or bankruptcy? Can I encourage you? Every day of your life, every step you take, you should be practicing your faith, rehearsing your faith, talking about the Word of God, encouraging people, telling them your testimony, where God has brought you from. And if people get sick of it, let them get sick of it. Why? I'm building my faith. I'm getting stronger because I know if I build my faith in times of peace, it'll be there in the battle. Some of us get frustrated when we ask God for direction and he gives us instruction. God did not give Abraham directions. He just said, I need you to move. God gave Abraham instruction, not where to, but what to do. Some of us are frustrated because we've asked God, where are we going? And God is waiting on us to do what he has called us to do. Before God can show you the directions to, you must be willing to step out of your from. Your from and my from might be completely different. Your from might be a physical place, but more likely than not, your from is a, a comfortable spiritual place where you have grown as big as you can grow at that level. And God is saying, you want big favor, but I can't do that big of a favor where you are, and so I need you to move. And when you move, it's going to show your faith. And then I'm going to be able to favor you by the level your faith is at. He said, I want you to move from your country. I'm not telling anybody to leave San Antonio or Bear County. I'm not telling anybody to leave Living Way Church. What I'm doing is telling you that some of us have grown way too comfortable where we are at. We have not graduated since COVID. We just made it through, and we've been coasting. Can I encourage you? You have outgrown recess. You have outgrown the small desk. We don't have nap time anymore. There is a world that is waging war against everything that is God-ordained. We don't need to shout about it in the church house. We need a faith that travels beyond Sunday and beyond Wednesday. We need a faith that can go to your job. We need a faith that we can take to the state house. We need a faith that we can take to the courthouse. Your faith does not do what God has called it to do if the only time we pull it out of our pocket is during altar call on Wednesday night or during offering time on Sunday morning. We need a faith and we need a people that says, God, if you called me to it, it doesn't matter where you're taking me from. I know my to is going to be better than my from. And so, God, if you give me a direction, that's where I I'll go. But if you don't give me a direction, I'm just going to be led of your spirit and I'm going to step out in faith because that's what faith is. 
The great MLK said, being able to take a step when you can't see the staircase, that's what faith is. If you've got to have it explained to you, if God's got to give you a 411 and a rundown of everything he's doing, that's not faith. That's flesh, and God doesn't work in flesh. He works in faith, and your faith will take care of your flesh. Your faith will never grow as long as you are comfortable. Comfortable Christians never grow. Comfortable Christians never do what God has called them to do. Comfortable Christians never cast out devils. Comfortable Christians never see the sick heal when they lay their hands. Comfortable Christians never see revival hit their family. Comfortable Christians don't see anything. All they do is exist where God took them the last time. But I am here to tell you, even me at 41, I feel like I've outgrown the level that I've been on. I've seen in the last two or three years, God is saying, you've outgrown that group of friends. You've outgrown that space. You've outgrown that. You've outgrown acting like that. You've outgrown talking like that. You've become too comfortable. And until you move out of the comfort zone, I can never take you to because you refuse to leave from. Second thing he says, and, and I, I hope this is going to bless you. It blessed me when God gave it to me. He said, I need you to leave your people. Your people, my people, are not always his people. He says, I need you to leave your people. When God calls you, God calls you. Let me say it again. When God calls you, God calls you, not them. So when you go to them, expecting that they heard the same word that you did, and they're confused, or they tell you, you didn't hear from God. No, they didn't hear from God. And so you can't base what God has promised you and where God is taking you to based on what they heard. Because could it be that they have been robbing you of your two because they are a part of your from and God did not check with them when he called you to greater. God calls you, not them, not your squad, not your BFFs, not your crew, not your girlfriend, not your boyfriend. Write this down. God doesn't promote groups. God promotes faithful people. That's why when you get to heaven, it's not going to be all Baptists and all Pentecostals. God's not coming for a denomination. God's not coming for just living way. God is not checking. He's not going to check the church registry at the end of the age. He is going to look for one thing, and he's going to look for that in each one of us, and that is faith. If we are judged, prejudged as believers, our sin goes before us. If God is looking for faith to get us to heaven, then why would God not look for an individual faith to get us to heaven on earth or the promised land? Can I encourage you today that there are some people in your 
your life that are robbing you of your two because they are from your from. And until you cut ties with them, you can pray all you want. You can fast all you want. You can talk to God all you want. But until you separate from your people, God can't take you to his purpose. Sometimes your people have the same last name as you. That doesn't mean you cut them off and you're a jerk. It just means that you don't have, you don't spend any more than Thanksgiving and Christmas and Cousin Ray Ray's baptism, and you can spend time with them, but you can't hang out with them. Why? Because they're part of your from. And if you're going to get to the two that God has called you to, you're not going to be able to spend time with them. Can I, can, can I just tell you, I'm 41 years old, and I have still never seen a flock of eagles. I'm 41 years old. I've never seen one eagle. Eagles are rare. And see, there's a lot of us that we've spent so much time in the barnyard pecking around with chickens, or we've spent so much time in the woods gobbling up with the turkeys, but I'm here to tell you, the turkeys and the chickens are the ones that are getting fried up and eaten. I've never eaten fried eagle. Why? Because eagles are protected. Eagles have something about them that is different. You don't see 15 eagles together. You see one and maybe two. Why? Because eagles have been marked. Eagles in our nation are protected. They're not like chickens. They're not like turkeys. They're not like any other bird. They fly solo. Quit pecking with the chickens and then asking God for promotion. And God says, all right, you got to leave the barnyard. Yeah, but I really like that hen. I really like that rooster. Well, then stay there and quit asking for promotion. Quit asking for me to do something. Could it be that God is not going to give you the desires of your heart because it would be a wasted miracle? How many of you have, have ever had a friend that dated somebody that you knew were a loser and it just took them a year and a half to find out? You don't want to spend time with them when they're together? I know my, my kids have been around some of their friends I didn't want to even give my kids a 20 spot because I didn't want them paying for, for some loser friend of theirs who doesn't work, who's a straight F student and never darkens the door of a church. I'm not going to waste what I have giving to my children if they're going to waste it with the group of people that they've chosen to be with. Now that is not them anymore, praise God, because when I find out they're hanging out with chickens, we fry them up and eat them. You're eagles. You're eagles. God doesn't promote groups. He promotes faithful people. God has called you to be an eagle. It takes faith to be an eagle. How do I know that? Isaiah 40, verse 31, church. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. How do I know it takes faith to be an eagle? Because you ain't waiting on the Lord unless you have faith. It takes faith to wait. Wait is not just a passing of time, but wait means I am literally waiting on the Lord as wait staff would do. I am serving God. I am serving his kingdom. Unless you have faith, you're not going to wait. You're not going to serve. You're not going to be able to stand the test of time. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
God has called you to be an eagle, and it takes faith to be an eagle. I did a little research on eagles that I'd never done before. Do you know eagles also mate for life? They find one person that can fly like them. They find one person that can soar to altitudes that they can. Check this out. To catch the attention of other eagles during courting and mating season, when they're finding who they're going to mate with for life, they don't change colors like some birds. They don't have a special call like some birds. They don't puff out their, their feathers like some birds. Check this out. When they're courting and trying to find the mate that will be with them for life, they soar to the highest altitudes they can. And if the other eagle makes it to that altitude, they lock talons together and they tumble in cartwheels towards the earth, and before impact, they let go. They do this to determine, is this mate or potential mate at my level? Can I talk to some people tonight, and I'm not just talking about those of you that are single and ready to mingle. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about business partners. I'm talking about prayer partners. I'm talking about who you're praising with. I'm going to altitudes that I have never been before, and I need to know, can you go as high as I'm going. Can you get to levels that God is taking me? You say, well, well, I was dating this guy, and, and he, he, he loved church. and Man, he loved the worship at Living Way, and he loved the preaching. But the moment people started speaking in tongues, he was out. No, no, he wasn't out. You went to levels that he was not ready for. And because he was not ready for, you thought he checked out on you. No, baby. God took you to a level that he was not ready or willing to operate at. And you just need to keep flying because eventually you're going to be at such an altitude that that you're going to see another eagle. And you're going to say, there's an eagle who knows how to pray like I pray. There's an eagle who knows how to worship like I worship. If I'm going to get to there and God has called me from the people, I'm not worried about who he takes me from because I know if I keep climbing in faith, if I keep building in faith, that eventually I'm going to find an eagle that's going to be with me for the rest of my life. It's not on my notes, but I, I'm, I'm remembering a story, true story, uh, of a pilot. And it was just in one, one of the smaller airplanes, and, and he, was, he was flying solo. And while he was flying solo, he, he noticed that there was, there was a, a, a mouse in the cockpit. And it was underneath, and he saw that mouse was chewing on wires. And so he radioed to the control tower, and he said, hey, I've got a problem. He said, I'm up here. He said, and, and there, there's, there's mice, and, and they're, they're chewing on the wires, and I don't know which wires they're chewing on. And they might be chewing on a wire that's going to cut these engines. And if they cut these engines, I, I, I'm, I'm doomed. That, that's it. I'm going to fall out of the sky. And I love what the radio, the, the air control uh, tower told him. He said, well, the thing you need to do is you need to go to a higher level. 
Because eventually you're going to get to a level that is going to rob that mouse of its oxygen. And that mouse is not going to be able to live at the level. Can I tell somebody that if you ever get to the level that God is wanting you to go to, the enemy is going to be robbed of his oxygen. And what he was nibbling at and what he was trying to tear apart and what he was trying to do away with, you're going to get to a level that he cannot be sustained and you're going to soar to a place. I, I got a couple minutes left, and, and my mind just keeps going from illustration to illustration. You know, a, a, a hawk will never fight a snake on the ground. A hawk knows if the fight's on the ground, the snake wins. So the hawk picks the snake up and takes it to a place where the snake is uncomfortable. When you are fighting the adversary and you are moving to levels that you've never been to, can I encourage you, don't fight the enemy where you're at. Don't don't fight at the level you've gotten comfortable at. You've got to go to a level that you're uncomfortable, so you are depending on God. But let me tell you something. When you start going higher in Jesus, the devil does not know how to fight you in that atmosphere. The devil does not know what to do with a faith-filled worshiper and praiser. I wish somebody in this room would jump up on their feet right now and remind the adversary, I'm I'm not fighting you in the crack house. I'm going to fight you in the heavenly place. I'm not fighting you in the hospital. I'm going to fight you in the heavenly place.